Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. Our goal is to get to the root issues of systemic problems using a theological and psychological lens. We hope you enjoy. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration Services, their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Hey guys, it's Clint Davis. Today we have Denisa Walker. She um, runs Learning RX here in town. She's been on the podcast before. She's an awesome lady. God just really put it on her heart to write and to put out some books and some journals and some things that God has been telling her to help other people. She sees a lot of uh, kids and families who have neurodiverse issues like autism and Asperger's. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. One of her books is called Neurodiverse, and then some of her journals and um, things are for Christians to walk through just kind of the daily tasks of life. And so we hope this this podcast episode is encouraging to you and that it gives you one, just encouragement in your own life to write and to put your words on paper and to get it out to your, your circle of influence. And then two, just to understand neurodiversity a little bit and understand who these people are, how things have changed, and how we as a society can continue to be inclusive in in the way we live our lives and help them heal, help them feel loved and valued because we're all in some ways on the spectrum. So I hope you enjoy this. God bless you. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and we have a return guest, my friend, Denisa Walker. She is the owner and executive director of Learning RX here in Shreveport, but she's also a author and writer and speaker and she does a bunch of amazing stuff so i wanted to have her on today to talk about some of her books and talk about um some of her um journals and reflections that uh, god has put on her heart to kind of put out to the world we were talking before you guys started listening about publishing and all the ins and outs of that so we might get into that some today but uh she's got a few books so the one we're looking at today is uh rainbow of the soul uh, oceans of God's love, reflections of God moments. These are two devotionals that she did, and then we got a couple of other books that she's put out. Um, Heart Twinkle, which is about um, it's kind of the uh, the baby that maybe you've lost in a miscarriage speaking back to you, um, which I think I told her before she goes. I was like, I'm not gonna read that now or cry. Um, and then Neurodiverse, which is about um, being somebody who's on the um, neurodiverse journey and how it's important for them to understand that they're special and they're unique and they're awesome. And so um, it's a poetic, introspective look into the inner workings of the neurodiverse, which I think is uh, super needed in our culture. And that's a new thing. So we'll talk, I'd love to talk about just neurodiversity, you know, at some point, but Denisa, welcome. And uh, yeah, how's you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we have another episode with her uh, on, Learning RX, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, You can go back and listen to that if you want to learn about that. But tell us a little bit about kind of what got you into writing and and books, and and we'll move into what the books are about. So I I have a passion about sharing my soul and sharing my heart, and I believe that's a God calling. I believe that's a thing, you know, that God just calls you to to do different things in your life. And, you know, as a counselor, it's really important for you to – 
have that catharsis, have that, that moment where you can work out those things for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I've always journaled. I've always, you know, when I was a little girl, it was the diary, right? You you write in your diary and then day. And then as I became a teacher, then it was like, you know, you need to take notes about everything because you won't remember. I mean, you, you, you kind of jumbled those things together and you start doing that. And so those just became habits, uh, good habits that are created. I had a prayer journal beside my bed, you know, where I would wake up in the night where God's speaking to me or I have a thought and I would just jot it down and then my mind would just mull on it and that sort of thing. And so I've just been writing for life i guess that's just been and um actually i write every morning i have a devotional a prayer time every morning and i write every morning on facebook i i put a devotional out and um so someone contacted me and said i really wished i had a book of what you had written (laughs) and so that's how it started into the books that's awesome uh, in the publication was actually someone's request and um so then i didn't know what length or anything like that and so I ended up with eight weeks, you know, in each book. Um, and so I have lots of them now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> lots of those because they're, you know, they've all come together in, in that piece. So, How many do you have in total? Uh, right now, the devotionals, there's 11. Yeah. Um, there's two that are actually out for, you know, publication that you can go on Amazon or whatever and buy. Yeah. But the others are in the pipeline, I would say, that they're um, in the publication process. I think that's beautiful. I think... Um well, a couple of things. One, writing is such an interesting um, thing in life because you know scripture was written, letters to the church were written as a you know for a Christian perspective. So, obviously, that's how they could communicate then. Sure. But I think, you know, when I'm not writing, when I'm not journaling, it's usually because I don't want to be in the present. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm too mm-hmm. busy. Right. I got stuff going on. It's like that's the time that you should be writing. Right. <laughs> you know, when you're stressed or overwhelmed or you have a lot going on. But I think um, in order to write, you know, literally write, not just mm-hmm. type, mm-hmm. but write, you mm-hmm. have to use your you know, right or left hand. You're, right. you're turning on certain parts of your brain and you're, you're having to feel your emotions and put it on the page and, right. you know, express it. And it's, it's therapeutic. It's very therapeutic and very good for the brain. I mean, it causes all kinds of good synapses to form and and connect and, and sometimes brings about thought processes that you really had not fully um, immersed or, or examined mm-hmm. those things. And a lot of people are uncomfortable examining that with other people, but they can put it down on paper. You know, that's yeah. something that they can, they can write and kind of just throw it out there. And that's important. It's important for you in every relationship of your life that you're able to do that and to, and to throw it out there. And it's scary for people in the world that we live in now. They're scared to put anything down because it's going to be held against them mm-hmm. or something like that. So, a lot of people have pulled back from doing that because they're scared of anything to be out there, you know. So write it down and tear it up if it bothers you that bad. I mean, like go burn it, you know, whatever. Yeah. If that's what you're worried, but, but that can be cathartic too. Yeah, that could be a cathartic process also. But I think that was, you know, really important in exploring, like with oceans. That was the first one that I actually mm-hmm. uh, published, and so. As, as we go through, and I was thinking about the depths of God's love and how we, you know, go into it. One of my favorite things I think about 
I compare my Christian walk or my, my walk as like a, a walk on the beach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have choices. We can choose to stay on the sand and just have an occasional splash of God in our life. And some people are like that. They have that they have avoidance. And then there's other people that, you know, they're out deep in the ocean. They go ahead and swim and they let the, the waves take them and swell over them. And, and at different places in our life, we are in different places of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just, you know, treading water and sometimes we're swimming and sometimes we're just, you know, on the, on the shallow area. Sometimes we hit a shelf that we thought we were swimming and all of a sudden we're under the water, you know, <laughs> and we truth. have to get the faith board, you know, like the surfboard. We have to get a faith board to keep us, you know, sailing because we get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We get overwhelmed with our circumstances and overwhelmed with our life. And so that was my feeling and I, I think about that all the time about how in our lives that we have to have that place that place of assurance mm-hmm. uh, for us and so that was where the devotionals for me became that gathering uh, of oceans was talking about all of those different things from surfing the faith board to the tidal waves of life and and how they impact us and um just the different scenarios uh, that come about. I will say it's all of my devotionals are very personal. So you're going to learn way too much about me (laughs) because they're written from my point of view and uh, equated to my experiences in my life. And um, like I said, so there's, there's a lot of personal experience in there. Well, it's testimony. It is testimony. Right. I mean, I think that's what we're also nervous about. Um, whether it's writing, I know for me personally, uh, you know, people think that, oh, you just do a podcast and you speak and you, you know, you post stuff on social media, but you know, that's taken a lot of time to kind of refine and not feel insecure about mm-hmm. because you're putting your stuff out there. And I think in the beginning, especially when we're insecure, it's usually because there's probably a lot more pride underneath all that than you think you want to be loved. You want to be validated. You want to be seen and you, you know, you have good intention, but then you have this other side that's like, but also want to know that I'm worthy and valuable. And then as you do it and you have your core people and your real people around you, you know, that starts to be less and less of it. And more and more, it's just like, this is true. And this is who God is. And this is about God mm-hmm. and about what he's doing and what he's done. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter because you're going to get naysayers no matter what. True. Right. You're going to have people that hate no matter what. And so, um, you know, I think people need to be what I hope for our listeners is that they they hear that they have a story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not me and you. It's not, you know, Dr. Caroline Leaf, whoever the people are that they follow that they think, oh, they're I can never do that. Yes, you could. Absolutely. And your story is just as important. And what God is is writing on your heart and in your life with your parenting or your marriage or your singleness or whatever it is, people need it desperately because, I mean, I know I don't know about you, but my social media and news feed and my circle of information is ninety five percent negative. Sure. And complaining and gossiping mm-hmm. and slandering mm-hmm. and, and clickbait nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be a lot more Christians writing about what God's doing, putting things out, self publishing and like in your sphere of influence, right? It's like who cares what somebody in LA thinks about it? Right. Your sphere of influence that you're able to hand these off and to where somebody calls you and says, Hey, can you Right. You started on Facebook. You literally just started posting things. Right. And somebody's like, 
hey, I need this. Right. That, I need this as to, in my life every day, you know, so I can be encouraged. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Know? I think that the thing about it is, is that we each have our own unique perspectives in life. And every one of us has viewpoints. I mean, you and I can go and experience the exact same thing. And what we bring to it is very different. Mm-hmm. And what we take away from it is very different. And so everyone who looks at that and says, well, I don't think that or I don't feel that that's valuable what you feel and what you think is valuable and so writing about that allows other people to see that this diversity of life how god has created us with this unique puzzle pieces of who we are to make a master world Mm -hmm. um we're we're all just broken pieces of stained glass and if we allow it he'll make us into that masterpiece but we have to allow him to do that to us and sometimes that scary place of being broken of having you know terrible things that happen in your life and devastate you uh from child loss you know to that i can't tell you how that feels i i mean you know as a parent it, mm-hmm. it's it's a very traumatic experience and when i first lost my baby um i was just devastated i was completely devastated and um when I would, would tell somebody, oh, well, I went through that, too, and I went through that, too. And I'm like, why? Why did no one tell me until I lost my baby? Mm-hmm. Why did you wait to tell me that, you know, this is a part of normal life, that it happens? Yeah. And we don't. We we try to hide those things, and we try to cover them up. And, and it's hard. And as strange as it is, is after we lost our baby, then when our child was born there was a sense of guilt there was uh this thing of um our firstborn son was our firstborn son but he wasn't our first child yeah you know an echo there and yeah. it was it was there and it needed and so all these years i've lived with that i've lived with that echo and so it was very cathartic for me to write heart twinkle which was mm-hmm. just for me to be able to say you know that it's okay. It's okay that that baby is in heaven and that baby sees this baby and is very, you know, happy about this child and, and how that heart, you know, and, and that was good for me. It was good for me as a mom. It was good for, you know, my son, when he read it, it's been good for all the parents. It's the, it's the number one book out of all my books. It's the, it's the one that's been the most popular because it resonates with people to understand that that is, such a real experience yep. it's such a real experience for us to get there and to understand that it is okay to grieve and love at the same time yep. that's an okay experience and so i think when we write and we tell those stories we're telling people that this happened to me and it's okay if it happens to you mm. you're going to survive it you're going to get through this ocean of waves you're going to get through this experience you're going to survive it yeah and i think that's the real thing is that there's just been a history of us being quiet about those things not talking about those things definitely i mean i think from a clinical perspective i think it's all the the family trauma and the lack of positive voices in our own lives that lead to insecurity that if we if we're confident that that's cocky you know, if we speak highly of who God says we are, mm-hmm. but if we don't know who God says we are, then we all we are is speaking about who we think we are, right. right? That does lead to arrogance and pride and ego. And so, but if we're if we're coming from a perspective of I'm speaking about who God is and who who He says I am and who He says you are, mm-hmm. then that changes everything. And I mm-hmm. think that's the difference in the testimony. 
when you're when you're sharing a book or something, you're you're doing it to encourage other people to say you too. Right. And that's much different than an autobiography about look at me. Yeah. Right. And, I, sure. and scripture says that to, to boast in our weaknesses. Right. Right. To say like, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. Like I'm not perfect. Here's the story. It's a, it's a mess because it's not about me. Right. It's about what God can, can do with me. And how he can take something, a scripture that you read and that I read and he can take that and it can be expounded so much oh, differently. And I can even read it one time and get one experience from it and come back to it and another and have a completely different yep. experience or take on it. That happens to me all the time. Definitely. You know, and I read this and I was like, oh, well, I took that away. And then I read it again. I'm like, oh, I took that away. You know, they're different perspectives. And I love that God has that depth in his word. And it's so real when we walk through it, when we walk through those places. And realistically, even people who are not in love with the Lord. They don't have that relationship with God or they don't have that experience or maybe they believe God has let them down or that's not, there's some reality in life that just happens. I mm -hmm. mean, your creator created this world, whether you acknowledge him or not, it's still a fact. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you can go through your whole life and not acknowledge him, but it's still the reality. And so the whole thing, when you go and you address that, one piece at a time and you talk about it in real life experience people can relate to that they can relate to what my real life experience the scripture can almost become a spine mm -hmm. to support you know what you're seeing and experiencing yeah definitely and that's important and, and i think you know just like scriptures literature you know God's not done speaking. And so although things aren't perfect and infallible in the way that i think scripture is um there's still a lot to be gained out of lots of good books. I'm reading one right now that's, you know, rocking my socks. And, you know, you read stuff and you're like, how, how did I never think of Scripture that way? You know, I'm 40 years old. I've been doing this for, you know, however long. And then, you know, that's the thing about age, though, is that the older you get, the more stupid you realize you are. You know, 30, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm 30. I'm finally mature. I got this. And 40, I'm like, I'm an idiot. I can't wait till 50. And I look back at my 40-year-old self and go, <laughs> you didn't have that. <laughs> you know, and I think that's that's sanctification too. It's, you know, maturity is, is realizing like you don't have it all together. There's so much to learn. And you're not the same person every six months. If you're, if you're doing work and in community and, and really growing and for me in therapy and uh, meeting with you know, spiritual guide and, and working on stuff every six months, I feel like a totally different human being. And so what you, when you read Matthew when you're 25 and when you meet, read Matthew when you're 35 or when you have two kids or one kid or a season of loss or whatever, yeah, it's, you're going to hear a different, a different thing. And I think that's like one of the really great things about writing and even going back and reading your own book. I was, um, uh, you know, Oceans of God Love, God's Love is now an audible. Hmm. And so in the mornings, like I play that audible and I'm like, wow, that was, that's like really good. And then it, it's not my voice, so I don't hear myself talking, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it was like, wow, that's, that's really insightful, you know, but it's been years, you know, yeah. so it's, it's that, that whole process of taking it back and like, wow, that was, that's a, a neat perspective. And I think that's what it happens is when we write, we can go back and we can read uh, and we can see that the language has grown and we have grown and we have changed, but we can always take things away. There's nuggets that we are taking mm -hmm. away. And that's how scripture is laid out, how we take that and, you know, we expound on that. But also in our experiences and in our interpersonal experiences, we take those things, we grow from from 
good and bad, the mm-hmm. good things that happen, the bad things that happen, all of those are valuable to others and what in what you take away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I hope that, you know, people listening, you know, the, the main message of, you know, this moment is to value what you have to say and put it out there. And w- whether it's in a journal for yourself or whether it's, you know, eventually published, I mean, I think there's so much value in, in telling people's stories and people telling their stories to get perspective, to, to understand, you know, to externalize the emotional part of it and capacity, but then, you know, to give to other people and, and, you know, yeah, these universal truths are so. Yeah. And you can write in professional capacities. I mean, I write for magazines just like you do, you know, we, we write for, you know, different sources and I write for magazines in a professional capacity and that's a different side of Mm. who I am. You know, that's, Yes, that's putting experience out. That's sharing that. Just like when you go and talk and to parents, and you're you know you're sharing your experiences, or to teachers, or to communities, faith communities, that type of thing. When we're out there sharing those things, we're providing value, but we're also taking away great value. Mm-hmm. And when we're doing that, when it's the ebb and that flow of coming back into us, that is something that we are learning from. That's experience that we're constantly learning from. And I think that growth is valuable to see for your self to go back and re-examine your own self so um i know my father uh is a pastor i don't know if you know that but Mm. my father is a pastor and uh so years and years of ministry and um we were talking the other day about surgery he just had uh, back surgery i've had four in the last two years so i'm well aware of of back surgeries and he's like complaining about how it hurts and i was like yeah you know i actually understand I really do understand like empathetically because I have actually had the exact same surgery that you've had. Mm -hmm. I understand it at a different level and that experience, just like miscarriage, just like, you know, loss, just like any of those things, people empathetically understanding at a different level or different depth is powerful. And that's what, when you put your words down and you share those words and there's, there's power in that, Mm -hmm. uh, being able to share those experiences with other people and helping them to understand not only in a professional capacity, but in a personal capacity, just being able to say, I've been where you are. I understand where you're coming from you know, you can do this. You can walk through this. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think the power of, of, you know, putting it in a book form and do that. Um, is which, which one's your newest one? Uh, (laughs) probably well, the new there's, there's a couple yeah, I was going to say, um, the ones that you have, the newest one that's out is called the brain house, which is about Alzheimer's and it's not actually there in your hands yet. Um, neurodiversity and heart twinkle those are both um, I want to say shorter versions they're just exploring an aspect so neurodiverse actually talks about neurodiversity and the new terminologies yeah because a lot of times that's confusing for people and understanding what neurodiverse means uh, it's it's a new concept for people to understand that we can embrace our brain in whatever perspective that we are in and be okay. Being different is okay. And there's been such a, for a very, very long time, there has been such a negative connotation to thinking differently and to learning differently. Mm-hmm. And being a neurodiverse individual, and we have so many now and on the grow because of so much happening in our world that impacts our diversity. So let's break that down for a second for people, because I know it's a word that it's going around, but mm-hmm. 
what what is it you know what does it encompass and then why the shift i think there's been a um perspective of if you learned differently you were bad mm -hmm. or not as good as other people there's been a lot of what we call mind shaming um, whenever you're not able to do what everyone else is to do or think in the exact way that they think, yeah. then there's been um, a negative connotation to that from years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's been well, a couple of things that pop in my brain? One, I think the fact is, is that neurodiverse people are increasing. Would you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. 100%. So one, it, the, I think the problem historically has been that neurodiverse people were in the minority mm -hmm. and they were, you know, for sure more difficult to deal with people didn't know what to do. And so with that, they're just like racism or sexism. There, there tends mm -hmm. to be a power differential that then causes kind of ostracization and all that stuff. Um, what, so historically, who were those people? What, what do you think about that? Like ADHD. the neurodiverse people? Yeah. Like before we had the word, who would be the people like ADHD? Sure. Okay. Yeah. People who learned differently right. or approached life differently. So when you look at the learning process, typically there was learners who just learned easily. They were in a, you know, in a, in a classroom and learning just came easily for mm -hmm. them. And then there were those who struggled and those who struggled f with learning got labels. Right. Okay. And so all of the different labels that were around, um, for a while, that was, let me just slap this label on and put yeah. you in a corner or put you in a place. Can you, you know? give some of those labels? ADHD, dysplexia, dysgraphia, you know, ODD. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're infinite. There's mm -hmm. so many. Uh, historically, probably slow learner was probably the most prevalent. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when I was in school, that was kind of the label. You were either mentally retarded which i know that's not the term we use now but yeah. that was mental retardation was the term uh right. you were put into a classroom by yourself i mean you were ostracized yeah, you know you put completely on the short put on the short bus mm -hmm. yes all those things and there's there's connotations to those there's you know feelings about those and shaming that goes on with that S to such an extent that populations in our world would even do away or hide those mm. people, oh, yeah. not even sending them to school, not letting it be acknowledged. Historically, even um, looking at you know royalty, because of inbreeding and different things that happened in royalty, they had a lot of people, who, but they hid it. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was it was a very bad thing, and so historically, it has been neurodiversity has not been embraced, and so the term has come around more recently that we talk about neurodiversity, but it simply means diverse meaning different, mm -hmm. you know, to, and, and neuro having to do with the brain. So it's diversity of the brain, diversity of the learning process. Mm -hmm. And that in particular has been a lot of, with the autism community being on a large grow, yeah. um, has been a lot of people that learn differently in the Asperger's world and uh, the world of, Social machinations being different, yep. um, that has been a, a group that has felt sidelined. Yeah, sensory kids, you know, mm -hmm. in that category too, as, so. as, as a separate category. Mm -hmm. So what <clears throat> what's the difference in, in your experience with autism, Asperger's? What, where, what, what shift happened and how does that continue to get better? So 
to know the truth of that, there's what we call executive function. Right. And executive function is, is I'm going to say, a, a long line. It can start from very slight uh, weakness in executive function is I can't multitask really well, you know, or something right. like that, all the way to I cannot socially live in this world at all. So there's a very vast field of executive functions mm -hmm. that impact people. And in that executive function is your autism and your Asperger's and your ADHD and your executive function disorder and your processing speed and your sensory processing and your auditory processing and all of those different things all fall on that line yep. of executive function. So executive function, I like to say, is like our CEO of our brain. Yeah. It's just basically when the cat's away, the mice are going to play. <laughs> right. And so we have that a lot. We get tired. We have too much technology we have i mean there's so many impacts to uh, that it's crazy especially our society today absolutely not enough sleep improper diet i mean so many things mm -hmm. that we can say well dr amy moore came on and we talked about who you know and we talked about her five pillars of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and it was really really so many people have loved it and, and helpful because it's right it's like before giving a label let's see if we're doing these five like things we actually can control that's right yeah but, and so addressing all of those different pieces and it's amazing how knowledge and the pieces that we put together are not easily attainable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They're, they, they sit hard for us to grasp or hard for us to understand, or I don't want to be different. And that's really what I was addressing in, in neurodiverse is I don't want to be different. People say it's okay to be different, but it's, but I don't want to be yeah. different. I want to be just like everybody else. Yeah. And what does that, what is that really? I well, mean, who grief is there, everybody right? else? There is grief there. Yeah. There's a lot of hardship there in that don't say, I'm not cool. I am cool. You know, uh, what, what is that? Us Which is interesting because the neurodiverse friends of mine, I, <laughs> I tend to like more than I like the regular people, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, that's the thing about that's It's a heart posture of our culture and, and to kind mm -hmm. of wrap the gospel back into that. It's like, you know, God is a creator God. He creates Satan, sin, evil, whatever narrative you want to have for it. He, he's not a creator. Right. Right. And I heard it say, you know, it said, God, God, uh, Satan is a creature, not a creator. He can, he cannot make the clay. He can only use the clay that God has created. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, he just twists stuff up. Brokenness twists things up. And, and people in the nerd, you know, diverse l journey of life, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. However, those of us who either aren't, on that on that spectrum or journey, um, we can help that tremendously if our hearts are more open to going. Hey, there's not a certain necessarily way. Right. And what I was going to say is that, especially in 2023 and probably in 2033 and 53, um, people that aren't neurodiverse are, in my opinion, going to be the minority. Right. And if we're not already close there now, right. you know, between sensory issues and food allergies sure. and autism and Asperger's and it's like, right. I don't know a kid, you know, there aren't many many kids that don't struggle with those things. I just don't think we even pay attention to some of those things because, you know, social economic status can help tremendously kind of push those kids forward, even though maybe they have some struggles that they won't learn about until later. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's pretty much what I was addressing is, you know, as, as in neurodiverse, what, which I end with is I'm different. And mm -hmm. so are you. Yeah, we are very different. There's no two people that are exactly alike. 
That's how God created us. There is no such thing as normal. We are all abnormal. We are not any of us going to fit a mold. There's not that. Mm -hmm. But for so many years, we tried to shove people into those molds. And I think that's where we are now is that we're now starting to accept that I can learn differently I can be different and I'm, I can be okay with that. And I think that's hard. And as a brain trainer, you know, I see this every day, uh, from all walks of life. I mean, I see people who had their own strengths and felt like they were the best of top of their, their peers, you know, and now because dementia, age, whatever, that's begin to impact them and they don't feel like the same person that they once Mm -hmm. were. And that starts a grief process. It starts a really hard process for them, you know, to process this new reality of what's happened. Or maybe you, you know, went through something, you know, grief or trauma or, you know, hospitalization, injury, injury, you know, some type of thing that changed the way that your brain processes information and now has turned you from a quote unquote feeling like you're normal to now a neurodiverse individual. And that's very difficult for you. And I think that's where we get into a lot of these, um, debates and sides where, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into all these gender conversations and all these, you know, I'm going to swap my, my gender, I'm going to swap my brain, I'm going to swap my this, I'm going to swap my that. I, I think a lot of that comes from not being able to embrace the unique person that you are. Mm-hmm. And the diversity within yourself, right? You know, because yeah, you're, you're not just a body or somebody, correct? You know, you're, you're a unique individual image bearer of God. And, and that's not a perfect thing. You know, right. people say, well, God doesn't make mistakes. And it's like, well, no, he doesn't make mistakes, but biology is not perfect and there's brokenness. So we're all right. born with things that God didn't intend, but that he can use for his glory and your good. Sure. And your worth and value is not based on whether you do or don't have autism or whether you do or don't have, you right. know, ADHD or whether you do or don't have a, you know, a penis or a vagina. It, your identity is not in those things. Right. And I think part of our American culture, especially it and, and just maybe Western culture, you know, is really pushed that our, our worth and value is in those things in right. our education, which is the problem, right? It's like, well, you have the, the, the smart kids who can do this and these kids who don't. And so their worth and value to society as a whole is less because right. you're not going to be able to perform. You're not going to be a good worker. You're not going to be contributing. And so therefore we need to put you over here and you know, you can survive and be here, but like, Right. You're not going to be this, the, the successful star, quote unquote. And it's like that toxic non, in my opinion, Christian philosophy and thinking is what continues to stir this like isolation for people. When, in, when in reality, like some of, like I said, some of the, my favorite people are neurodiverse and bring so much value to relationships and conversations and ways of thinking. I mean, most of the successful people in history Right, who have done some of the most amazing, profound things were neurodiverse. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what's insane. It's the ability to think outside yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that's who God created us to be, is to get outside of our shell. And that's that's what writing is for me. Mm-hmm. Writing is for me is getting outside of the perspective. My father told me when I was a, a young lady, he said, you are the mother of the woman that you're going to become. It's a really deep thought. Oh, you I have like to go it. on that yeah. one for a little while, but... When you think about that is 
right now what you're doing to yourself is you are growing the person who you will be in the future Mm -hmm. so if you think about that and you start feeding that person who you're going to be in the future in depth and learning from that person so that you can grow into that person that's powerful and whoever you become it's okay because that's who god created you to be Mm -hmm. and i think that is the powerful piece that we have to take away and that's what what writing you know that's where that value is that's where you're putting those those thought processes out there for that's what neurodivergence is all about is that we all think differently and you can embrace the way that you learn you can embrace the way that you think and it and if the way that you think isn't as fast as everybody else and you want to be faster, go to brain training. Brain training makes you faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an okay thing. You can embrace that. If I want to be more fit, I go to the gym, right? right. I mean, it, it's just you embrace what you want to where you want to go in the future. That's good. And you can do that without seeing it as a limitation. Yeah, or without putting your identity into it, right? Exactly. Because it's both ways because it's, it's the same. I mean, it's the problem with everything. It's, you know, I want to get in shape and now I have to be this certain image or it's not enough. Right. And we achieve it and we know what that does. Right. Even mm-hmm. smart, even intellect. Right. I'm going to write this book. Like if you're right. I love I, I know you. So I know you're writing these books. Right. Not to get affirmation and not to, sure. um, you know, achieve something to go. Well, I have this many books or that many books. It's like, no, I'm doing this because it's good for me. And if it happens to help other people, great. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I know that people need it and people say they need it because it doesn't matter if you get like we were talking about, I was talking to somebody about the Ted talk the other day. And you know, if years ago, if somebody had told me you're going to do a Ted talk, I would have been like, that would be the pinnacle of all things that I would want to do, you know, in speaking. I mean, I remember we lived in this house that had one room with carpet in it. And, uh, and I, we used to have to, we had dogs. And so we used to have to go to, uh, Brookshire's or whatever and rent one of those, uh, vacuums that like cleans it the rug doctor yes because it smelled so bad whoever previously had it it was terrible and we couldn't afford to change the carpet out so like it felt like every week i was going to do this freaking rug doctor thing on this rug so i would put my headphones in we'd have kids and i would just listen to ted talks you know this was a decade ago and and uh and then you know got the call last summer and then got to prep for it and you know there's all this build up and you go and you do it and now that was January, you mm-hmm. know, we're almost six months out from me doing that. And it's like, it didn't change anything. Right. It didn't change my happiness. It didn't change who I am. It didn't change my marriage. It didn't change my ability to be a father. You know, for a moment it was great. And for a season it was a lot of work. But, and I, and by the grace of God, I knew that going into it. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't disappointed. Right. I think when we do it from the right heart posture, when we're walking in the spirit, when we're doing it for God's glory, then at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't really matter. And the inverse is true that if you think so lowly of yourself, I love this book. I read, I read through some of it. Like if you think so lowly of yourself that you don't want to be who you are because that's not enough. Right. That's the problem too. It is. And that, and that's pride too. It is. That's the twisted pride is I'm not going to receive who God says that I am. Right. Because it, that doesn't line up with who I want to be. And, and I, you can grieve life. that, right? right? You can grieve it. But to find peace, you're going to have to find some reconciliation within that. And you have to get past the labels. 
you have to get past the labels of life. Mm-hmm. You know, my label is not, I'm just a mother. My hat right. is not just, you know, I, I'm a wife or I'm Donisa. Even, you know, your name, it's more than that. Who you are is who God called you to be and who you are in his image. And that is a growing process. Mm-hmm. You will never become. And if you can accept that you will never become, you just are, then you can embrace a whole bunch more of yourself. That's good. You're just constantly on the road to who you will, who God has designed you to be. Mm -hmm. And so just doing that process and understanding that, like I said before, sometimes you're going to be really in the deep water and choking and drowning and feeling like it's all, you know, over. And the other times you're just going to be walking in the sunset along the beach, you know, and that's going to change in life. That's going to change. You're going to have ebbs and flows and you have to realize that and embrace that and just say, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if I'm here or I'm there. Um, You know, a few years ago, I went in for a minor procedure in 2018 uh, with the doctor and Unfortunately, things didn't go as as perspective, mm-hmm. and I spent eight months in and out of the hospital, not part of my design, yeah. not part of what I wanted to do. Results, you know, in your in your body and in your systems are not. But at the same time, if you define yourself by that one moment and you limit yourself by that one moment or that one time or those things, then you miss out on all of the things that God has for you. Yeah, you miss out on all the the development that of who you can be. And through those processes, you can become through those processes. You can just keep becoming. Absolutely. And a lot of a, a lot of bad can be out wiped by a little bit of good. You know, I mean, those things are hard. Being in seasons of sickness or depression or mental anguish or, you know, um, conflict with a parent or a family member or, you know, whatever. Like, they're really tough seasons while they're there. But like everything, right, There's it's a season. And most of the time you get out of that season and you go, oh my gosh, that was, I thought that was going to be my life forever. And it's not right. You know, that's one thing that, you know, people struggle with, with intrusive thoughts and, and anxiety and fear is you get stuck in the moment and you're like, I'm never, I'm never going to think about this differently. It's always going to be how it is. And then you wake up one day and it's not that way, you know, and and you start to find hope and, and movement. And, and so if you're out there listening to this, you know, I know Denise and I share the same philosophy on, you know, go to God with it, bring it to him, pray, write, you know, find out who you are, what your identity is and who he says you are, not what your parents say, not what the world says, not what, not what you say, mm-hmm. but that you are loved and you are valued and you are worthy and you have a, I mean, unique and special purpose on this earth and you have so much power inside of you to influence the sphere of influence you have. Right. Whether that's 10 people or 100 people or 10,000 people or 1 million people, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. Right? What matters is, are you living out who you are at your best self for the glory of God and for the betterment of our world and other people? And if you measure that against somebody else, it's going to steal your joy. It's going to cause you to stay stuck in where you're at. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a growth process. Absolutely. That's it. That's what it's about. Um any closing thoughts or comments or that was good. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your books and your vision and just your heart with, with people, because I think people need the encouragement for sure. I think just if everyone can, can do exactly that, just embrace that the person that you are is a person who's becoming Mm -hmm. and you're always going to be becoming. So just embrace who that is and you're going to be becoming 
for the rest of your life. That's right. And that's okay. It's a growing process. Whether it's your brain that you're growing, you're growing through hurt or trauma, or you're going through heart things, or you're going through, and right, put it out there. Let it be. Let people uh, learn from you. And whether that's something that you just share on a Facebook page, or you share it in a book, or you share it with a friend, or maybe you don't want to put it on paper. Maybe you want to talk, right? That's right. Get out there. Don't be scared of being and becoming. It's good. Now, we don't need to see your food, and we don't need to see uh, <laughs> hear your diary, your personal diary, about what happened at Walmart when you didn't get what you wanted. You can leave that off of Facebook. But if you're, <laughs> but or if market only me, not yeah, public. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Goodness gracious. You know, you're like, you read sometimes, you're like, this is not your personal diary. It's, I think it's your personal diary when it's encouraging and you've, uh, you know, trying to put some light out there. There is a setting, only me. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, guys, for listening listening uh denisa walker check out her books um we'll list them and, and put the links they're all on amazon so you can get those and uh do you some good reading uh god bless you guys and have a good week <laughs>